0: Running feet. There was a level of fear in the rushed and unsteady-sounding footfalls. Hello? she called out, even as her hand reached down and took out her pistol. She didn't expect an answer, and didn't get one. She stopped now, as she finally locked on the sound source. It was to the right, above the knoll directly in front of her. The breathing was accelerated, the rush of legs, the crashing of underbrush seemed frenetic. In another few seconds, whoever it was would have to clear the rim of dirt and rock. Michelle slipped off her gun's safety and took up position behind a wide oak tree. Hopefully it was only another jogger. Michelle braced herself, both hands glued around her pistol grips, ready if necessary to put a bullet between someone's pupils. A young boy burst out from the top of the knoll, was suspended in space for an instant, and then with a scream tumbled down the slope. Before he hit bottom, another boy, a little older, came into view at the knoll's crest but caught himself in time and merely slid down the slope on his butt, flopping next to his companion. Michelle would have thought they were just horsing around except for the look of utter terror etched on both their faces. The younger one was sobbing, his face streaked with dirt and tears. The older boy pulled him up by the scruff of his shirt and they took off running. Michelle holstered her gun, stepped out from behind the tree and held up her hand. Boys, stop! The pair screamed and shot around on either side of her in a blur. She spun around, grabbed for one but missed. For an instant she contemplated sprinting after them, but despite her Olympian background it wasn't certain she could catch two young boys whose feet were apparently jet-fueled by sheer fright. She turned back around and looked toward the top of the knoll. What could have scared them that badly? She quickly altered her line of thinking. Or, who could have? She looked once more in the direction of the fleeing boys, then she turned back and cautiously made her way up in the direction the kids had come from. At the top of the knoll she easily found the path the two had used. She slipped through the narrow trail erratically carved by their frantic flight. It ran for about a hundred feet and then opened into a small clearing. In an instant, the direction of the wind changed and drove the smell deep into her nostrils. She gagged, and her eyes assumed their own level of panic. She'd experienced that unmistakable smell before. It was putrefied flesh, human flesh. Michelle pulled her tank shirt up and over her mouth and nose. She made her way around the perimeter of the clearing. At 120 degrees on her mental compass, she found it, or her. In the brush that ran along the fringe of the clearing, the hand was sticking up, like the dead woman was waving hello, or in this case, goodbye. Even from this distance, Michelle could see that the greenish skin on the arm was slipping down off the bone. The sun was glinting off something on the woman's wrist. Michelle drew closer and saw that it was a watch. She glanced down at her own watch. It was 2.30. She sat back on her haunches, her nose cemented into her armpit. She called 911, calmly telling the dispatcher what she'd found on her location. After that, she called Sean King. The small clearing had been cordoned off with yellow police tape intertwined among the trees. All the cops wore floater masks to guard against the stench. Michelle stood off a ways and watched. Next to her was Sean King, her partner in the private investigation firm of King and Maxwell. King was in his forties, three inches taller than the five-foot-ten Michelle, and had short, dark hair graying at the temples. He was trim and broad-shouldered, but had gimpy knees and a shoulder that a bullet had ripped in two years ago. Did they find the boys? she asked King. He nodded. I understand they were pretty traumatized. Traumatized? They'll probably need therapy all the way through college. Michelle had already given a detailed statement to the local police, in the person of Chief Todd Williams. Today, his features held a resigned expression, as though murder and mayhem were now to be expected in his tiny hamlet. Michelle watched as a slender and attractive red-haired woman in her late thirties carrying a black satchel and a rape kit, arrived on the scene, knelt down, and started examining the body. That's Sylvia Diaz, the medical examiner assigned to this area, King explained. Diaz? She looks more like Maureen O'Hara. George Diaz was her husband. He was a very noted surgeon in the area. He was struck by a car and killed several years ago. Sylvia used to be a professor of forensic pathology at UVA. Now she's a physician in private practice. And a deputy M.E. on the side, Michelle added. Busy woman. Dias rose, spoke with the police, popped off her examination gloves and started snapping pictures of the body and surrounding area. Finished with that, she stowed her camera and started to walk away when she noticed King. She smiled warmly and headed toward them. Michelle whispered, And you forgot to tell me that you two dated. King looked at her surprised. We went out a few times a while back. Be nice. Sylvia's really wonderful. I'm sure she was, but I don't need to hear the details, Sean. Rest assured you'll... N-